the blast from our past network. Talking Back. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim. And this week, we're going to be covering a topic I've wanted to cover for a long time. Uh, now, Dean didn't grow up in the NES era, and he conceded he wouldn't have much of an opinion on this topic. So Dean is taking the week off, a well-deserved week off. Rest up, Dean. We'll, uh, we'll hear, hear from you next week. But in his place for this very special episode, where we are going to be covering our top 10 Nintendo Entertainment System tracks, for his third appearance on the show, it's my friend Mark. Hello, Mark. Hello, Tim. Pleasure to be here again. <laughs> Hello. Welcome. Mark, you joined us on episode number 41 where we covered the Predator. And then I think we had some sort of a falling out because you didn't come back until episode 178. Tim, I, I just put all my energy into that episode. I didn't have it in me to do anymore. You slept for 130 episodes. Uh, you, awoke, you awoke, Mark, for uh, The Empire Strikes Back. Hmm. And now you're back again to talk NES tracks. Now, we both grew up playing Nintendo. We're from mm -hmm. that era. We both love listening to video game music. We've had many discussions about video game music in the past. You have a degree in music, and you've even created some of your own video game music tracks. Mm -hmm. So, Mark, I thought you'd be a natural fit for this episode. So thanks for joining. Tim, uh, it's a pleasure, and yeah, I don't know what to say. It's obviously something... I just hope I don't uh, talk too much about it, and you'll just have to shut me up if I ramble on about it, because... I do absolutely love this music. So yeah, happy to be here. I won't shut you up, Mark. Um, I saw one time before where you got cut and your blood was 8-bit. <laughs> and I was surprised. I was like, that's that's when I knew that we could be friends. <laughs> um, Mark, really quickly, what is your history with Nintendo and the NES? Uh, I think, well, I was born late 70s like you. So, um, you know, I think, started off with Atari, but then when the Nintendo came out, it obviously was a whole, I mean, just a, a whole nother level of graphics, gameplay, just a bunch of new titles came out that had, were a little, a lot more sort of unique and standing out. So just started playing title after title when I was a kid. And uh, I mean, of course it just sinks in the impression, you know, is just like, wow. Um, you know, <laughs> to give you a sense one of my favorite games when I was a kid was the first Dragon Warrior. And my classmate in elementary school had like a handout of like all the equipment from Dragon Warrior. Oh, that's and amazing. I would just borrow it off of every day just to look at the same thing over and over, which, you know, is kind of lame, but it, it gives you a sense of just how absorbed into those games I used to get. So, 
Yeah, I hear that, man. Same here. I remember going to school like an hour early so me and my buddy could like try to make up video game ideas. Oh, nice. And man, it was just so much fun. It was like so much easier to get up in the morning when you knew you were going to go and do something creative like Mm -hmm. that. And uh, to date, none of our games have been published. Um, (laughs) I've been waiting. (laughs) That's that's fine. (laughs) There was a real problem with the art. Uh, I'll tell you that. The, our ideas were solid, but uh, our, our art wasn't quite up to par in grade eight. But but that kind of suits 8-bit, though, because, I mean, actually, one of the things not necessarily related to music uh, is the graphics in 8-bit games, they were so rough, but if they were done just right, they actually were kind of better because they were almost conjuring up, like, impressions more than actual, like, tangible images, right? Like, nowadays, everything's so realistic that... It's so real, it almost doesn't feel like a game, but you want to play a game, a little bit of that imagination, you know, where you have to supply that because it's just a little bit rough. I don't know. It kind of engages you a little bit more. I I think that is the same with the music. Like the 8-bit sound is limited and it's kind of crude in ways, but I think we wouldn't be here talking about it if it didn't have a certain inherent charm to it, right? Well, you don't have to sell me, Mark. Uh, I'm on board. I love 8-bit graphics. I love the 8-bit music. Uh, there's just the nostalgia factor to it. How incredible it all was at the time. It was just, mm. it was such a, a breakthrough at the time to mm-hmm. see stuff, to see and hear uh, that type of stuff. So uh, huge fan. I, I still love 8-bit graphics. Um, I think what really works for 8-bit graphics is that they're timeless. So mm-hmm. they're going to be equally as good as they were then, um, in 40 years from now, but you take something like PlayStation one, the, you know, polygonal graphics, right. those looked good for like the one year they came out. Right. And then as technology grew, they were outdated, but right. new technology and 8-bit graphics just makes the 8-bit graphics look a little bit smoother, but you still have that 8-bit feel to it. So yeah. I think there's always going to be, um, there's always going to be a platform for those types of games. I think as long as video games exist, I think people are going to be drawn to the NES style game and the NES style uh, sound. hundred percent. And like, think of a game that we both played recently that we loved in Fernax, you know, and, and it is a throwback to those games. Now it obviously takes advantage of, you know, better graphics, but it's very much in the same vein. Like it's in keeping with that old style. It's just kind of rendered nicer but yeah exactly you're absolutely right like games like that i think are going to be around well as long as you know people from our generation are still playing games yeah uh and not just our generation and after and after uh i would ask that you don't bring infernax up again this episode mark i had a real problem with that an addiction you might say (laughs) um i played it nonstop over and over again i beat it four times in a row and um, intervention myself and um, put it away for a while. Tim, I didn't mean to turn this into an intervention. <laughs> I just but... actually looked over, Mark, just to the <laughs> side, right from where I'm sitting. And look what's looking at, looking me in the eye. It's the Infernax copy for the Switch. It's right here. Tim, it looks so great. Abandon the, oh, the podcast. It, lo- play it looks Infernax. so delicious and sweet. Oh, look at Mark. Look at those graphics. Oh, man. Um, here's how... Uh, obsessed I am with that game is Mark. You can you can vouch for this because you're here right now. This is a sealed copy. Oh, this is in the wrapper yeah. still because I downloaded it um, onto my Switch and then I realized they had a physical release of it, so I bought the physical release as well. 
and so. ask me why? <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I, I I have no idea because I'm obsessed with it. Yeah. I don't know if I'll ever open this copy, but it's here in case I ever need to. I don't know. Well, I you know what? I just knew playing that game, I knew right away that you would love it. Because yeah, you recommended it to me, Mark. Your, your favorite game of all time, if I remember correctly, is Castlevania 2, which Correct. it really is an well, homage Favorite to... Nintendo game of all time. Nintendo game, yeah. 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 And favorite for good game. reasons, so. Yeah. yeah exactly. Tim, we're getting uh, sidetracked. Uh... Uh, tends to happen, Mark. <laughs> tends to happen on the podcast. Uh, I think that's uh, part of what uh, the listeners like to uh, hear, is us going off on all tangents. Right. well. Um, but we, we can, we can rein it back in here. So what we're doing here this episode is we're going to be counting down our top 10 Nintendo entertainment system game tracks. Now this covers a 10 year period between 1985 and 1995 and includes a total of 716 games. And Mark, I hope you went back and played all 716 games (laughs) to achieve the appropriate level of preparation for this episode. Oh yeah. Because I, I sure did. Of course. Yeah. Okay, great. We're on the same page then. Now, Mark, we each have our own list. Mm-hmm. We're going to be going through. We'll be counting down from number 10 to number one. And if a song comes up that the other person has ranked higher on their list, okay, we'll talk about it when we get to that higher okay. ranking. Yep. Good. Okay. Now, we did put one single rule in place, and that is that we're not allowed to choose more than one track from a game. Mm. Now, I don't know about you, but without that rule in place, I would probably only have two or three different games on my list. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'd have a few more, but yeah, there would definitely be some repeats from certain games. So this is going to allow for a bit more diversity in the list, mm. kind of forcing us to come up with 10 different games. Now... To create this list, like, I already have a playlist of probably 30 Nest tracks on my phone. It's mm-hmm. just something I listen to all the time. So I already had a strong footing for a list. But I did venture out and investigate a number of other top uh, Nest track lists. Mm. Uh, I wanted to see if there was something I was missing. Uh, so I think I put together a really fair and researched list. But I did have a really hard time getting my list down to 10. Mm-hmm. And I we, we were talking before recording. <laughs> you had the same problem. Uh, this was not easy. So like, there were a couple tracks that when, you know, when I came up with the idea for this episode, I'm like, these are some tracks that are for sure going to be on my list. Mm-hmm. And those tracks did not make my list. <laughs> and I, as heartbroken as I was, they just didn't make it. They didn't make the cut and it kind of blew me away, but you know, that's, that's the way it goes. So I kind of took a different approach where I think I just kind of thought of which tracks I loved from which games. And I kind of put together a top 10 and I did a little bit of vetting, but I didn't overthink it too much. Cause I think I suspected I was just going to fall into the exact same trap where it would just be like, and, and I can tell you that the 10 that I've chosen I'm absolutely happy with them being in my top 10. Now, would there be other ones out there that might knock one or two off? Possibly, but like I, I'm perfectly happy accepting the top 10 that I picked it picked oh, as the okay. top 10, right? So Okay, we had different approaches. I overthought the shit out of my list. <laughs> Sounds like it. 
<laughs> yeah, are you getting that vibe? <laughs> um, another thing that I tried to do, Mark, was I tried to make sure that there was nothing of pure nostalgia on my list. So I wanted to make sure right. that this was a legitimate top 10 list. Right. So I was very critical about what made the list and what didn't. Yeah. And I would say that um, if nostalgia came into play in any way, it would be the ordering of my of my 10. Oh, yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Well, yeah, but, you know, it's, it, it is kind of hard to separate nostalgia. And I don't know. Like, I've often thought when you're evaluating art that there's a subjective element. How much do I like it or dislike it? And then there's an objective element. You have to be able to kind of just look at it as a... a, a a crafted piece, right? And how well is it crafted? And, and you know, like, for instance, you can have things that you think are really well done, but you, you just don't care for them. Or things you know are not very well done, but you love them. And, and you just kind of have to gauge, you know, which ones check both boxes the most. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't see the issue with having a bit of nostalgia. But like you say, though, if you just maybe change the ranking a little bit, that makes sense. I think what happened was when I initially just conceived of a top 10 in my head, a lot of choices that popped in were nostalgic choices. Right. And they made the list. So my list, basically what I got to was I got to a 23 track list. Hmm. And from there, I listened to all the tracks over and over and over again and tried to place them in the right order. I kind of played one against the other and then put them in order. So what I noticed was that the majority of my nostalgic tracks didn't hold up when put right mm. next against a track that I really think is great yeah, and maybe do have some nostalgia for or no nostalgia, but I really realized like, okay, being really critical, I did like and want to put this song on the list because it's nostalgic. Right. And then when it hit this like tower of amazing tracks, it just like ran up, it hit the brick wall and bounced off and then landed hmm. at 18 or something. You know? So, um, <laughs> Yeah, but but I think that's the way it should be. It's yeah. I'm, I'm, I want this to be, I want this to be a fair critique. Like I don't yeah. just want that. Maybe that's another episode. Like our our top ten nostalgic, our favorite nostalgic, right. Uh, right? You know, songs. But I don't. It sounds like you you did bring some nostalgia in, which is completely fine. Um, yeah, no although you know, like I, I can cr critically analyze each of these tracks and tell you why I think they're well done. Yeah, like it's not even a problem at all. Like, I, I, you know, yeah, there's no issue there. So yeah, cool. All right. Well, let's get into our list. I'll go ahead and start us off with my number 10. Now, I don't think it will surprise anyone that this song made my list, but I think it might surprise people that I have it ranked at number 10 hmm. because it's arguably the catchiest Nintendo song ever made. <laughs> I think I know where you're going with this, but. <laughs> Uh, uh, quiet, quiet, Mark, quiet down <laughs> over there. If you picked up a NES at launch, it was probably the first song you ever heard on the Nintendo. At number 10, I have level one from Super Mario Brothers. Thank you. 
So for the first NES game to be released, Super Mario Brothers, like it impresses in the gameplay. Like mm. it, it's a fascinating, oh, yeah, amazing game, but it's equally impressive in the music department. Mm. Um, it's the music. It has this weird way of making you feel like it's pushing you through the level. Like it feels like it's behind you moving your character, mm-hmm. especially when you're running out of time and the track like speeds. Oh up. yeah. That's like a really weird and neat technique yep. that I had never really encountered before, but that's, that's music creating panic mm-hmm. in your gameplay, mm-hmm. which is a real fascinating uh, thing to do. Tim, I got to interject. Sure. Remember that theme. Cause I'm yeah, yeah, okay. going to be bringing that up a couple of times, but sorry, okay. go on. No, no, it's all good. Um, like this, this track is mostly made up of like bleeps and bloops. Yeah. You know, there's not a lot to it, but they're arranged in a real pleasing way. Mm. And I just, um, I find that this track, it just really never gets old for me. Yeah. hundred percent. Uh, it's a classic and I mean, it's well constructed and there's some interesting stuff going on rhythmically, uh, harmonically. Like that's one of the things that I've noticed um, with all of these tracks is you start realizing some of the harmonies are actually pretty complex. Like I was sitting down trying to figure out the harmonic progression of one of the tracks on my list and I couldn't do it. And like that was something that I was really good at when I was studying music. (laughs) I just Mm. couldn't figure the bloody thing out because it was so crazy complex. Uh, And it's... I think they did so much because they had so little to work with. They had to like transcend what they were working with and, and really push it to the limits of what they could do and find inventive ways. Like you described, like with the time thing, Yeah, you know, like those are little, little techniques they employed to kind of just make the most out of what they had. And it works so well. I mean, it's incredible. All right, Mark, give us your number 10. All right. So uh, this was a game I played a lot of. It's actually a really inventive game from the gameplay. Um, Just had really good atmosphere. The backgrounds, and I was looking at the level titles even, and they're like really interesting levels. It's basically kind of it's like a military game of sorts. You're kind of a, a trooper going up against this sort of evil army kind okay. of thing and uh the game is bionic commando uh which i'm sure a lot of people have played or, or heard of with, yeah. yeah and and it's just i don't know like p- pay attention to the drums and whatnot when it's playing it's very kind of got that militia type sound to it but it's just it uh well anyway i'll play the the track and i'll talk about it after so Thank you. 
So, I mean, it's just like, what a, what an arc, like that piece just builds. It starts with a nice little beat that just repeats that same drum little motif goes through, um, unaltered and it just builds these slow, somber kind of sounds. And then it kind of perks up a little bit and then it just seems like it's so heroic and you're like invading an enemy <laughs> base, you know, and, and this is gets just you, kind of gets you jacked up. It does. It, it honestly, it just fits it so well too. Like, and that's the thing that blew me away is these composers nailed the feel of the game. Like they didn't just write it off in a bubble and then said, here's your music. Like they clearly had some involvement in understanding the kind of aesthetic of the game. But I mean, it just builds to this wonderful well, it starts off and then it kind of loops and does like a second iteration, but then it deviates, goes off, and then it just builds, builds to that climax. And, you know, another thing about these tracks is when they do end up repeating, it doesn't seem like repetitive. It actually seems like they, they really cleverly introduce the repeat part. It doesn't feel like onerous. It feels fresh again. Um, and that's that's very difficult to do like extremely. So yeah, this track just hits a lot of those. It's just a beautiful track. Like I just love it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I did investigate, uh, some Bionic Commando. Oh yeah. Yeah. It wasn't, uh, didn't quite, didn't quite make it, but yeah, I mean, I'm going to be talking a lot about the looping. Um, yeah. You know, how, how well some of the tracks loop, because that's sort of a big thing with some of the the selections I've made and that is like a, a hard thing to do. You know, there's lots of songs that, you know, or, or lots of tracks that just play out and then they start and then they end and you can tell there's the yeah, definitive exactly. start and end yeah. and that it's just looping again. Yeah. But the best tracks, they hide that they have yeah. a way of hiding it yeah. where when you're playing the game, you don't notice that that's happening, right. um, which just keeps you immersed in the game. Totally. Right, because if if the track loops, you're gonna notice that you're gonna hear it. Yeah, you're kind of gonna be taken a little bit out of the game. So, um, I, I did put a little bit of uh, consideration into how well the track was looped, and you know, some of my tracks at the top are just well, mm -hmm. well looped. Yeah, and there's little techniques they can use to do that effectively, and and I'll you know a couple later on in in my list, I'm gonna point out little things that they do to kind of not mask the fact that it's about to loop, but just, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. Anyway, we can, we can talk Anyways, about more Mark, later on. Um, we've been drinking scotch and I feel well looped myself. <laughs> I don't know about you, well, I, uh, but, uh, Tim, my glass is empty. So I'll have to get some at some point. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, you let me know when that uh, needs to happen and we'll just hit the pause button. All right. Now, Mark, my number nine is a pretty well-known track in the gaming music world. Mm -hmm. uh, it definitely has the classic 8-bit feel to it, but it also carries a nice melody. Mm -hmm. I remember riding my bike 20 minutes both ways to rent this game. And Mark, when you do that, <laughs> you damn well hope that it's a good game. Oh, yeah. And this one was great. My number nine pick from DuckTales is the Amazon. Mm -hmm. 
So what really works for me with this track is having been a huge fan of the DuckTales cartoon. This track feels like it belongs in the DuckTales universe. Mm. Like it just yeah. feels like an extension of that. Yeah. It feels like a DuckTales song dressed up in a retro 8-bit styling. Mm. I love that they went that route with this. Totally. Right? They easily could have just, you know, created music that yeah. like you mentioned before, created music in a room that didn't fit this game, but they didn't do that. They mm-hmm. they made it feel like DuckTales. Uh, one of the reasons I thought this game was so great. It's a 40 second loop, but they go to a lot of different places during that yeah. 40 seconds. Right. This track is all over the place, which I, I really, really liked. And just overall, I think it's a really, really well thought out track. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's uh, one of the things that impresses me, you know, like, when, okay. When you study classical music, there's A sections, B sections, and they're they're different but related. Okay, so like a good composer would write an A section that clearly stands out in a very separate B section, but you know that they're they're somehow related. Whether it's like a, a motive from one, like a little musical mel- melodic fragment or something that they build on, um, but that's exactly what's going on in that track that you just played, like the the first part and the second part are clearly different like you said they're pretty far apart but they're clearly part of the same track yeah and that takes real skill to be able to pull off um and and i totally agree on the fact that it fits the ducktales kind of well feel like it just it absolutely conjures up that that ducktales energy somehow and it's like, hard to describe how it does it, but it does. What I pulled out of it was in the DuckTales theme, um, like the word DuckTales is part of the song. It's like, I can't remember yeah. the words, but this blah, 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 in DuckTales or Duckland. And I feel like in that track, there's multiple different areas where you could say the word DuckTales and it fits <laughs> right. with the progression of the song. Like <laughs> right. it just, you could say the words and they fit in there. So yeah. it's almost like they, I don't know, maybe they were trying to make it that way. They considered that, like make it feel like people could say DuckTales in the song. I don't know, but um, a subtle thing that just, it really works for me. Yeah. Well, I have to tell you, I agree so much with what you just said that, uh, my number nine, and we're ready to go on to my number nine. Yeah, go ahead. What do you got? <laughs> well, it's from a game called DuckTales. <laughs> what? <laughs> Mark, I've heard of that game. <laughs> I'm not even kidding you. It I've is DuckTales The Moon. Yeah. <laughs> and the funny thing was, I literally made a last minute change in my, my ordering. This was number eight. Okay. And I dropped down to number nine, like literally <laughs> as I was sitting here. Um, Perfect. And the fact that it was both of our number nines is clearly a sign that we're on the same wavelength here. So um, let's go ahead and play it.
yeah, I mean, like, what a just a fun track. And that intro is actually, like, hits you in the feels. <laughs> like, it's actually, like, a beautiful melody, but the harmony. I think that was, it's something combining the sound that they used for that track with the harmonies and the way it kind of builds up. And then that drums kind of kick in and then you get that kind of pulsing melodic element to it. And then they sort of call back to the intro theme a little bit at, at mm. one point. I mean, it's mm. just, it's got like style. It's got just like, I don't know, a driving beat. And then you're on the moon in yeah. the game, right? So, and it's a little bit kind of ethereal or just sort of, you know, out there. And mm. uh, it just, but you know, it's funny because you just played the Amazon track and then you listen to this track and they're clearly from the same game. Yeah, but like very they, different. They're very different. Again, it's that they're very different and yet there's a theme. And like you you hear that in great movie soundtracks where, you know, they're all clearly their own individual tracks, but they're just part of a, or a great album. Like think of some of those albums that are, you know, um, like Pink Floyd's The Wall. Right, or Pink right. Floyd, you know, Dark Side of the Moon. Like they're, yeah. The whole album is one work of art, yeah. but they're all different songs. It's the same sort of thing with a great video game soundtrack. Yeah. And obviously we both agreed that DuckTales was, was one of those games. Yeah. So. You very uh, appropriately paralleled the DuckTales soundtrack to a Pink Floyd album, which is, <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> is like, absolutely correct. It's that quality. It's that of good. Of course. I love I mean, Pink Floyd, but this, this soundtrack is that, that good. Yeah. Mark, like in my, uh, in, in my head list, I, I said the moon. I was like, the moon from DuckTales. It's, really? it's going to be on my list. But then I went and listened to it. And I'm like, wait, this this isn't the right one. It's the Amazon. It is actually the Amazon. But I, I love the moon track. Uh, it's really fun because the game DuckTales, really interesting game because you start it off and you've got five levels to choose from. You can yep, go wherever right, you want. Right. The Amazon happens to be the like the top of the list. So right. I feel like myself and maybe a lot of other people chose that one first and played the Amazon. Uh, yeah, I did for sure. And got hit with that track and maybe that, you know, leveled it up in, in people's opinions. But I love the moon because the moon isn't a selectable option, right? You have to beat the other five levels uh, and then you unlock the moon. Right. So the moon was like a bonus track. Like right. you, you had to earn the moon, which is one of the reasons that I like the moon so much. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, and that it landed so hard. So great choice. I love that we both had DuckTales in number nine. That's awesome. I think that's a lot of fun. That's I never would have suspected that. <laughs> but uh, DuckTales transcends, man. That's uh, It's a great game. Great soundtrack. Uh, hell yeah. So my number eight was a game I played through once and never again because it was very, very hard. I didn't initially actually remember this track but I did find it on another best of list. And when I gave it a listen, I was like, oh yeah, this definitely deserves to be here. Uh, this track feels more like an actual song than the melodic beeps and bleeps uh, from my first two choices. And it has a much darker and more mature tone to it, hmm. which ends up fitting perfectly for the game. And my number eight from Metal Gear is the jungle theme. Oh, cool. Mm -hmm. 
the opening cutscene for the game has you, a soldier in the army, parachuting out of a plane. You land in the jungle, and you're immediately thrown into the game with that track playing. <laughs> and, Amazing. Yeah. You have no idea what's going on. You're just like, okay, go ahead. You're thrown into into the battle. Um, I love the baseline of yeah, this yeah. track. Oh, yeah. It's like multiple different baselines. Yeah. It's like there's there's a couple different ones going on. There's a, you know a, a louder, deeper one that kind of shows up every once in a while, and then you have a faster, um, maybe higher pitched one that's going um, more mm. rapidly. Just a really, really great sounding track. I remember playing the game and the main things I felt at this moment were confusion and terror. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's what was driving me in the moment. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what was going on. The game was tough as nails, dude. It's so tough, but I find sometimes really good soundtracks and games are enough to keep you playing. And that's what happened for Mm. me in this game. Mm. I didn't like the game all that much. I didn't really want to be playing it, but I played it to listen to the music. Wow. And that progressed me. I got like right near the end of the game. I think I got to the final boss and couldn't beat him. Mm. But it was a, it's a hell of a game. Um, I love that song. Well, that made my number eight. The fact that Metal Gear, the franchise has gone on as long as it has. It's one of those games that I think just like blew a lot of people away with how original it was, right? And I yeah, never really. It's very unique. Yeah. I, I mean, obviously I played it a little bit, but I didn't get into it that much. And I, if I had, and if I knew of this track, it would have made my top 10 list because yeah. that's an awesome track. Yeah, it's a really oh, it's cool track. so like evocative. I mean, I think a lot of people know about Metal Gear and the Metal Gear franchise, yeah. but I feel like that knowledge comes in some of the later entries, sure. you know, yeah. like Metal Gear Solid uh, definitely is, I think, where it really took off for the masses. Mm-hmm. So Metal Gear 1's a bit of a sleeper. Um, well, again, you're a kid, and this isn't really the kind of game you want to pick up and rent and come home with and play because it's so weird and so tough. Yeah, like, right. it's tough to control. It's tough to navigate. You're, you're working, you know, with like a communication system where you have to pause the game and read a communication right, coming right. from someone else who's kind of like telling you what to do. And then you have to, you know, figure stuff out. The only thing you have when you start the game is a pack of cigarettes and you can smoke if you want. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> you don't know what it really does, but you can just stop and start smoking. I mean, I guess you're an art, you're someone in the army. I right. guess, I guess the army, you know, in the eighties must've always had cigarettes sure. on them. Oh yeah. Different send times in, back then. Send them out with a gun and some cigarettes <laughs> and they'll be fine. Classic starter pack. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, yeah, like it's, uh, I I have that thing we were talking about, you know, the, the franchise didn't take it off till later with a lot of different series. And I have to remember not to be the, the grumpy old man that says, oh, you know, the, the first one was always the best. Well, I, you know, I have that bias a lot where the original, the starter of this, the franchise is the one that deserves the most credit. You know, but I totally understand why people fall in love with the later ones because that same energy is carried over. It's just given new life in, in these different systems and different stories. And, you know, I'm thinking the Final Fantasy franchise, like, I love the first few games and never really got into the later, later ones, but I don't begrudge anybody that does. They just love it. Yeah, for those later games in both of those series, 
uh, Metal Gear and Final Fantasy, uh, the cutscenes, I think, w- was what really started to push those over the edge. Is people really wanted yeah. to play those to see the cutscenes, right? Which were amazing. Yeah, sure, absolutely. But Mark, uh, hit us with your number eight. All right, let's. Uh, okay, so I didn't actually really. I I played this game a bit, but I can't say I really got very far. But the opening track, like from the first level, just is like one of the best tracks. I'm just going to start by reading a comment that I found on the YouTube channel from (laughs) it, which uh, I think is absolutely the best description of why this song rules. So the comment uh, is, I jump into my truck in the morning right before work, open my garage door up and blast off while listening to this tune. Nice. (laughs) And it's just like, yep, that is exactly what this tune is all about. So with that in mind, my number eight is the forest level from Blaster Master. So, I mean, like, it speaks for itself. Like, it's just got such an uplifting groove to it, you know? It's just, it's got that nice kind of opening where it's like, yeah, I can see a garage door opening. It just, okay, I'm ready to take on life, you know, and, and get out. And it <laughs> it's like, and you're driving around in like a little mini tank or whatever, right? Yeah. In the game. Yeah. And uh, I think you you brought it up with the Metal Gear track. It's just like it's you're in like uh, an environment that's threatening or whatever, but, and the game is really hard. I seem to remember Blaster Master being pretty hard, but that music kind of carries you through and, and it's got that sort of driving beat behind it. And, you know, like we've seen with so many of these tracks so far is uh, they don't repeat very quickly. Like they, they have a full sort of uh, cycle to them before they get back to, to repeating. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't even, I don't have much to say in the way of like technical whatever with this track. I just think it's a fucking awesome track. Yeah, that, that is a good track. I, I never played that game, so I'm not too familiar with it. Um, but that was a track I considered as I was going through some Mm. other top lists. That was, that was one of them on the other lists and it just, you know, couldn't, couldn't quite break my, uh, break onto my list, but I do, I do love that track. It's, it does have a really great feel to it. Again, it's got like this, it's got this uplifting feel to it, which, which is interesting. You know, it's like, Mm -hmm. it feels like a happy track, Yeah. you know? Um, And if a game can do that, it kind of can positively reinforce you wanting to play it. Totally. So I like that. 
Um, do you know like whereabouts that comes in the game? Is that that's like I think that's the first like the level. first level. Yeah. Okay. It's really early on. So that's a great start to the game. Absolutely. All right, Tim. Uh, back to you. So my number seven is from one of my favorite games. It was in the three pack of the first Nintendo games I ever played. Hmm. This track caused me to become obsessed with synthesizers as a kid hmm. because I wanted to be able to create music like this. Unfortunately, I sucked on the synth. <laughs> I was always <laughs> such a, I was always so terrible on it. Uh, so frustrating when you just, you get it and you want to create that type of sound. And it's, it's nothing like that. It's, it's, I was so bad. But um, nonetheless, it was an inspirational track for me. I will always remember it for that. My number seven, I know you're very familiar with this, is from Castlevania 1. It's the music from level three titled Wicked Child. Oh, Tim, I got to stop you. We got our first. <laughs> you got it higher on your list? Yeah. Okay, cool. We'll save it then for uh, when we get to it on yours, Mark. <laughs> Damn, I was kind of, we were on a roll. We were really mixing it up, but. Um, you can go ahead with your number seven. Okay, well, shit. Sorry, dude. No, you have to apologize. It's fine. It's high up there too. I'm not going to lie. Like that track. Well, I mean, I'll be honest with you. That track could have been in my top three. I'm kind of like surprised it wasn't in my top three. Yeah. But we'll, uh, we'll yeah. get there. We'll get there. Yeah. All right. And there's so many from Castlevania that could have made it. Um, oh, yeah. Speaking of Castlevania, this one's actually from <laughs> what I think is your favorite game, Castlevania Two: Simon's Quest. Uh, Mark, we've already we already talked and concluded it was my favorite game. Okay, okay, okay. okay. So, and I I may have to stop this one because this may very well be on well, your this list. Is interesting. There might be. I wonder if from my favorite NES game of all time, one of the tracks made it onto my list. Well, no, I don't I, know. I, I can't imagine I that know. ever happening. I, it, it's so. possible. Maybe not. Who knows? I, what do you got? Yeah, uh, so within these castle walls? Go ahead. Wow. Wow, okay, good, good. I'm happy to hear it. So, yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and play from Castlevania II, Simon's Quest, within these castle walls. I mean, this track, like, and correct me if I'm wrong, because it's been a while since I've actually played Simon's Quest all the way through, but this is when you get to Dracula's castle and you're just going to fight Dracula. And I don't think there's even any enemies in the castle. Like, you're just literally walking through the castle while this plays, and it's kind of like... So, right there, it's... You're at, like, the peak of that game. And it's just so ominous. It's, like, sinister music like the the harmonies that are going on with it are just really and then that bass kind of just accentuating the harmonic shifts from one key to another like it's just got such a good sound 
but it's really quick and you know it, it repeats but i think even how kind of i don't want to say simplistic but just sort of um in comparison to the rest of our tracks like how sort of uh straightforward it is it's so good in and of itself that it makes it to my number seven yeah <laughs> i have no problem with that yeah no i, I uh, think you this would. this would have been on my list if we had multiple tracks from the same game yeah this was on my list i actually pulled it off for a different one uh spoiler alert <laughs> but uh, i think we all knew that there was going to be a track on sure. uh, from my favorite nest game uh yeah it is a bit simplistic but I think it's um, such a great representation of Castlevania one brought into Castlevania two. Oh, how so? Uh, just the way the the sound of the music. I just, I oh, think yeah. it's, um, I think out of all the tracks in Castlevania hmm. two, I think this is one of the ones that um, felt most like it could have belonged in Castlevania one. I feel like it might've been kind of like the most nostalgic take for them to bring in and carry on to number two. Hmm. So I didn't consider that, but, uh, yeah, I can see that. Uh, it's a great call, Mark. I love that. All right. Well, so on my, your number six. My number six comes from a game I've actually never played before. Oh. And to be honest, I had never even heard the song before, before doing the research really? for this You just heard this episode. for the first time. I heard it for the first time. I heard it on some, you know, one of the lists. Right. And uh, it certainly belongs on this list and arguably maybe even higher than number six. That's how good I think this song is. It's from a game called mother also known as earthbound. Oh, and the track is called snowman. Huh? Never heard it. of a track means so much in games yeah uh if you're meant to be moving full steam ahead through a level the music should be paced that way so when i hear this song which is fucking gorgeous it's just it's so gorgeous it just hit me the first time i heard it i can picture a more calm and relaxed moment in this game Mm. the music itself mimics a snowfall yeah with uh, like the track seeming to fall down the scale with the do, 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 mm-hmm. do. I picture snow falling. Mm-hmm. Like what a great representation that is. Totally. I think it's a perfect fit for the winter themed level that you'll find this in, in the game. And for my money, this is a track that has all the characteristics of the end track of a game that you need to earn. Mm. But mother is an RPG. So by the time you get to this level, you've already put in a bunch of hours. 
So you've probably already earned it. I can't believe I've never heard of this game before. Like maybe Earthbound I've heard of. But Yeah, I I mean you've you've probably heard of it. It's a very like critically acclaimed game. It's a very rare game. Not a lot of people have like yeah. have played it. I think um uh I don't know, I think a copy of Earthbound. I don't know. I think it's pretty expensive. Yeah. I'm going to have to check this out cuz uh I agree that is an absolutely gorgeous tune. Like it's so the the sounds that they get out of it like you know and there's it's interesting with 8-bit there are games that sound very rough and then there are games that like the 8-bit seems so crystal clear and well articulated that it it just uh has such a much more pleasant feeling to it i don't know why that is like i don't know if it's just the quality of the sound engineering or the skill of the composer and what they were doing with the tools that they had but yeah that one just seems so clear and polished like it's not like 8-bit was a limitation it was actually like uh an asset in that particular track yeah the way that it sounded yeah love it all right what do you got for number six okay this is an interesting one and i think maybe at the beginning i can't remember now we talked about dynamic elements in a game that are reflected in the music so this is from a game called Air Fortress that I only played a little bit. A uh, friend I saw played it a lot. But So you're this little guy, you fly a little space glider thing into a base and you have to beat all these air fortresses. And every time you beat one of them, the base starts to self-destruct and you have to get out of the base before oh, okay. it blows up. Cool. And so you're this little guy and you have to go through like elevators and fly around and like get through all these different enemies to get out of the base before it explodes. And as soon as you blow up the like main bad guy in the base, there's like this quiet and then this track starts. Okay. So this is called Evacuation. Nice. <laughs> I love it. Uh, and the actual, I'm happy I found it on YouTube. It's called Evacuation plus Air Fortress Explodes. So you'll just hear the music and then you'll start to heal, hear this rumbling in the background. Mm. And the rumbling picks up in intensity as you're trying to get away. And cool. it creates this tension that makes you shit your pants because you, you got to get out before it hits the fan. Sounds so. great. You could say it's repetitive and it is because it's really just two lines being repeated, but it doesn't matter. First of all, the music itself is hypnotic and you're so concentrating on getting the fuck out of that bass that it doesn't, if anything, it's just like a TikTok, TikTok almost, you know, kind of feeling. Right. And then the slow buildup of the bass 
just the rumbling in the background. And then, you know, as it gets louder and louder and more intense, you're getting more and more nervous and scrambling more and more to get out. Like, it's introducing those dynamics to a game that actually where the music and the sound impact the gameplay. Right. Like, that is the epitome of great video game writing. Right. And I, I don't know how often that happens. In fact, it's weird. In our in our survey of all these different Nintendo games, it seems to be a common element to some of them. But I don't know that that's being done in modern games at all. Um, nah, I would I wouldn't say so much. No, I think well, I think these these older games they needed to rely on everything that they could exactly. to make the game great. So, exactly. You know, like I mentioned with uh, Super Mario Brothers, they you know speed up the track when you're running right. out of time. Yeah. It's a great yeah. cue, that... and it 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 work works really well. It's um a great relationship between the music and the gameplay that. I don't know that that always happens uh, nowadays, if, if ever. I don't know. I mean, I don't play a lot of the new games, so I don't want to speak out of turn, but... I've played a lot of Infernax. Have you heard of it? <laughs> I can tell you all no, about no, it. No, no. Tell me about I'll it. Tell you all about that game if you want. <laughs> well, does it, does it do that? <laughs> <laughs> it does, actually, yeah. Tim, I think you're going to have to play it seven it more times. Mark, they had uh, like 44 tracks or something in that game, so they, they ah, li- yeah. literally... Every new area you go into is a new song. That, yeah. Sorry, I'm doing it again. Yeah, I know, no. I was going to say, uh, that's okay. I, There's, I, we have a whole episode about Infernax. Yeah, Just go back no, maybe, yeah, you know, five or six episodes. Get but, uh, your heart's desire of Infernax. You know, and I, just one other thing I want to say about this track. Like the the melody or the harmony, like the it, it almost becomes atonal in a way. It, it, the thing that I love is... It starts off with a very basic arpeggio, like a very basic broken chord that is clear, clearly of a solid key. But then it kind of just, as it gets higher in pitch, it almost dissolves into kind of this atonal aspect or very dissonant sound that that is really kind of alien and strange. And yeah. it just flavors the whole experience even a little bit more. So just such a really interesting track. I don't know what you were saying up until you said alien, but oh, then yeah. I understood. Sorry. <laughs> I, I definitely felt alien. Um, as I was listening to it, that's what popped into my head. It, it felt yeah. like it yeah. felt alien in yeah. um, in some way. Like just it just had a weird vibe to it. So. Yeah, exactly. I loved it. I loved how the explosions would s- like slowly take over the right. music the, the right. explosions slowly right. got louder than the music which i mean when you're playing a game can you imagine like yeah. that I, I like how they set up the um, the music like you said that kind of like um a tiktok like a metronome yeah. right so you're able to focus in on that and really kind of dig yourself into the game and focus right so what happens when they slowly start taking that away well, you probably start having problems. You probably yeah. start panicking. You know, yeah. you, you're losing your metronome. You're losing your yeah. rhythm. Yeah. And they're doing that to you exactly. in the game with the music. I think that's a beautiful, it's, it's beautiful a, It's totally psychological. For that it's, game, it's yeah. It's wonderful. Love that. Great choice. All right. On to your number five? Yeah. Getting into the top five, my next track is the title track when you turn on the game. And you don't hear it again after that. So <laughs> it always took me a little while to even get this game started because I just sit there on the title screen and listen to the track. 
and this frustrated uh, many friends who wanted to just play the game. But uh, meanwhile, I just wanted to listen to the track. The game features one of Nintendo's flagship characters that never really made it big. They tried to push this series, but it never really found its footing. But I do love this first game in the series. My number five from Kid Icarus is the title screen track. This track, more so than any other in my list, takes you on an adventure. Mm. I feel like it takes you through the arc of the emotions you're going to play throughout the game mm. in about a minute before you even, even started the game. Uh, halfway through the track, you think it's going to hit the loop, and then it just takes off. Mm. It just it just heads in a, in a completely new direction. Uh, it's just only starting to get good at that point. And it's just got the very classic Ness aesthetic to it. And it's just flat out adventurous. Yeah. I got nothing to, I, I agree. It's a, it's an awesome track. I, I didn't really play the game that much. I know it was a very difficult game and it's an old, it's one of the older Ness it's games. One of the it? OG yeah. games. Yeah. Not a lot of people played it. It was really tough. It was a really weird game. Because it kind of went backwards. Instead of going easy to hard, the game went hard to easy. Oh, really? So the hardest level you're going to play is level one. Mm. And as you start to equip yourself with weapons, the game gets easier and easier to the point mm. where the final level is, a, is like level one. It's the easiest thing you'll do. Interesting. Uh, very interesting choice. But, you know, there's a lot of great tracks in that game. Um, this is another one. I could have had many, you know, many tracks from this game in here but it was that title track that always captured my imagination. It's just, it's going to so many different places. It's so weird. Yeah. Uh, it, it feels cohesive, but but I don't know. It feels like they're like, how many different ideas can we jam into one track? Let's go, right. you know, high, low, high, low, high, 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 higher, higher, lower, higher, higher, higher. And then, you know, really let's amp it up. So yeah. it's just got a really, it's got a really unique sound to it. It's very pleasing on my ears. I just, mm. I really love it. I feel like it's very, almost like a very soothing track. There's something kind of like relaxing to it for me. I dare say the word nostalgia. 
Um, this one, yeah, this one probably has some nostalgia for mm. sure. Yeah. But again, I think it belongs here. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think it's uh, I think it's a solid entry. But, Absolutely. Um, no, no argument uh, big, here. Big fan of big fan of the title screen from Kid Icarus. Yeah. No, All right, Mark, uh, your number four. Um, actually, it's interesting because. Or wait, you're number five. You're yeah, number the one five? I'm number five. Um, the one I'm about to play. For me, is probably ranks as the most nostalgic. Like, okay, it, it's don't get me wrong. Like you said, like yeah, you would absolutely justify it being in your top ten. But there's something about it that I just love. Yeah. Um So this is from the first Final Fantasy game, which I had to have something in here. I knew you would have a Final Fantasy on here, so I'm curious to see what you do. You have out. one? I don't. Oh, okay. Because I never played that game. I have I have zero. Oh, well, background with so. It. Okay, so in the game, just a little bit of background, there are four fiends, one for each element, earth, air, water, fire, that you have to defeat. Um, and this is going into the earth cave. The earth fiend is the first that you have to defeat. And this is the music from that level. Now, one of the things I love about this this level, by the way, this is also the same for the fire fiend <laughs> level. It was so good they had to do it twice, it's I guess. the same music? Same music, yeah. Okay. Uh, but like you're going down into this deep cave and, you know, you get in there and this is playing and it's just, it's kind of quirky and fun, but it's also kind of sinister and it sort of blends those things mm. really nicely. So this is the earth cave or Gurgu volcano from Final Fantasy one. So a short track doesn't take too long before it repeats, but I don't know. There's just something about it. And again, this is probably this one rose higher than maybe it should have on just pure nostalgia factor, but it fits the game so well. And, you know, if you haven't played it, um, it's hard to describe, but it just, when you're immersed in that, it's just, it flavors that level so wonderfully those two levels actually really uh and i don't know it's just got a kind of a a funky kind of quality to it and then um yeah that's it i i really don't have much to say about this one other than i just love it and it's a great track and it's got some interesting harmonies and um yeah i'll i'll leave it at that um tim having never played it what do you think about it i i mean i liked it uh, I think it was a bit of a short loop. I'm, I yeah. am a bit surprised maybe that it did make your list, but I think when you throw in what it did for you while you were playing that level, I think that's a big deal. Yeah. So I think that's, that's like an intangible that you can't really bring to the podcast, but affects you, you know, in a deep way for that track. So I totally appreciate the call. Uh, I, I thought it sounded great. It, 
I could listen to that over and over again. That could loop. Mm. That could continue to loop over and over again for, you know, five, six, seven minutes. And I don't think I'd get tired of it. Right. right. So it, it might not necessarily feel like a, a 20, 30 second loop. It, it probably, right. you know, it probably works well. And the game's probably also throwing in different sound effects it is. It, so yeah, it's not... I was just going to say, like, you're getting interrupted by fighting random right. encounters, like, as you go kind of thing. So it, it's, and actually, I wonder how much the composers actually factor that in. Like, they didn't write a two-minute loop for this track because you're going to be you're interrupted every all, yeah. 15 to 20 seconds with a random encounter. So yeah. keep it short and sweet kind of thing, right? Yeah. So for that reason, like, it's just, it seems like a perfect little piece in it, in the world that it exists yeah, in. Exactly. So, I mean, I think and it's a great call. That's the kind of stuff that, you know, belongs on the list. So. I, I have to mention too, uh, that this is Nobuo Uematsu who wrote all of the Final Fantasy music up to part of, he co-wrote number 10. Mm-hmm. I mean, I to me, he is the greatest video game composer of all time. Oh, wow. And, and I'm saying that's that a, because... That's a bold statement. Well, you write nine games worth of music, nine plus. Yeah. And that's not even counting other titles, but nine Final Fantasy games that literally, if you go on YouTube, to listen to the whole soundtrack is like four hours Yeah. for each game. And they're all like one to two minute pieces. And there's so many of them that are that good. It, I hear it, you. it's just that breadth that's, that blows me away. Anyway, I had to do a I Final would, Fantasy I would one. argue with you on that. Oh, okay. Just because of some other composers who have a library equal to that, if not better, but across various games. So they have to change up their style. They can't stick within one boundary of like, uh, like you know. I would be very curious to know who you're talking about. Uh, we'll talk about it. Let's talk about it at the end. Sure. Because I've got, um, you know, a few composers that show up a bunch of times on my list. Yeah. While we're not allowed to have more than one song right, from right. the game. Okay. I've got, you know, multiple composers. Okay. So, all right. Uh, we'll, we'll kind of wrap up, uh, with, with some of that, Mark. Sure. So my number four, uh, just also happens to be another title screen. <laughs> Uh-huh. A couple of title screens uh, jumbled together here in the middle. This track is one I'm sure everyone would expect to be on a top 10 list. It's a track that's still going strong in the franchise today. Some versions of this track have appeared in over 30 games, but my favorite version will always be the original. Mm. My I number four from The Legend of Zelda yeah. is the title screen. Good choice.
Now, this title screen track is often confused with the track Overworld, which is very, very similar. Uh, but um, I love how this track is arranged. And once again, you turn the game on. For the first time, you turn it on. You get the title screen. You get mm. this music. Yeah. You hear this track. The title screen only holds for about 15 seconds. And then it takes you on a crawl through the Legend of Zelda story. Then it shows you all of the treasures you can find throughout the game. Then it shows you the different swords and shields you can collect through the game. All the special weapons, too. Mm -hmm. It's such a great opening. Like, fuck you. If you start this game up, you listen to the music, you see that crawl, and you turn it off. Yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you do that, I don't know. There's something wrong with you. But... Um, the track for me, it, it sparks this feeling of nostalgia every time I hear it. This this is a big nostalgia one for me. Um, it comes off sounding like fairly basic as a track. Like I don't mm. I don't think there's a lot going on, but I feel like it's a case of everything working so well together that you don't notice how good it is. Yeah, like you don't in a perfect piece of art. You, you don't notice it being so perfect because there's nothing, there's no mistakes. There's nothing right. that sticks out. Right. It's just, it's, it just all works together. Yeah. And maybe for that reason, it doesn't look as good as maybe you might expect it to. But, um, yeah. No, uh, that, that... interest. Sorry. A fun fact. I'll just interrupt you for a yeah. sec. Fun fact. It was created by accident. The creator Koji Kondo planned on rearranging the song Bolero for the legend of Zelda. Oh, when he was told he couldn't do that, he pulled an all-nighter and created no way. the music for this game. That is amazing. It is amazing. And if you listen to the song Bolero, that definitely could have fit with The Legend of Zelda. It oh, has, totally. It has that aesthetic to it. <laughs> so, I love Bolero. Uh, I, Ravel is one of my favorite composers, actually. Yeah. Uh, that is... Uh, I'm glad you put it on there because... Someone had to do it, Mark. I, no, honestly, and I didn't put a Zelda track on my soundtrack, which probably invalidates a lot of my opinions, but, um, and, and I like that you chose the title music because like you say, it's your first hit of sound from Zelda and it lasts, it sticks, it becomes integrated with the gameplay. Like that track is as every bit as much, a part of the Zelda franchise as the character of Link or the character of Zelda or Ganon or whatever. It's just so iconic. And, yeah. you know, as a piece of music, it's wonderful. I wouldn't say it's like, you know, blows me away or anything, but it's just like you say, it's so into integrally tied to the, to the game itself that you can't ignore that. It has staying power. Yeah. Not a lot totally. of tracks can, progress their way through 30 different games. And is still... that what it is now? 30? Yeah. Th this track, like in some fashion has been found in every legend of Zelda game that has come oh, wow. out. I didn't know and that. It, the number is, is uh, it's in the thirties. Wow. So that's a track you can't deny that track has staying power. That's a yeah. track people like, yeah. that's a track that's earned its place in history. So I, you know, I went with the first instance of it um, for no other reason than I think that instance is the best. I agree. And it started it off. It was the first. Like, yeah. and, and I put a lot of weight behind that. And there's a lot of great tracks from uh, 
Legend of Zelda Two: The Adventure of Link. I, I almost like, yeah that agreed. that easily could have some of those yeah. tracks easily could have made this list. Yeah. I I considered them you know f- for the list and they just they couldn't make it. Right. But that game has some amazing of tracks course. to it. Of amazing course. tracks. Yeah. All right, Mark. What's your number four? Okay, so uh, this is a joint one. It's Castlevania: Wicked Child. Okay, so first off, and I have to say, you were the one that told me this. Um, there were two composers to this game, and one of them uh, was a young Japanese woman named Kanuyo Yamashita, who I think is still active in composing video game music. But, I mean, she was extremely young, like just out of high school or you know college or something when she wrote this, and it was her first video game soundtrack like this piece of music is so just it's so great in so many ways like it just it builds it's one of those ones again now we're back to ones that actually like take a while to loop because yeah there's so many parts to them they build so wonderfully but if you play this level in castlevania it's like this ancient ruined castle with like these broken statues and moss on them and bats and like shadowy turrets of castles in the background and it's kind of this gloomy blue sort of color like and it just somehow is captured in this this track totally and and then it's got these wonderful moments like where this like driving drum beat and driving bass and just that that ever-present castlevania tone you know, with with the tracks that they have, there's a certain like blueprint to Castlevania music. Like Vampire Killer has it. All these different tracks from the first one, the second one, and so on have it. And this one keeps it. And I don't know what it is. It's just something about the melody or the harmonies. They there's a, a mm-hmm. DNA to Castlevania music, mm-hmm. and this captures it so perfectly. Uh, it's just it's from a technical standpoint. From a an aesthetic standpoint, this piece just nails it. That's why it cracks my top four. Hell yeah, dude. It could have cracked my top four. It could have cracked my top three or two, but it didn't. It got stuck at uh, number seven for me. Hmm. But yeah, that level is so great. Um, I'll just talk a second on the level before the music. But that level is number three out of seven. And you're sort of like halfway through the game 
and three out of six, I think. Uh, is it is it six? It's six. Yeah. Okay, Dracula's castle is six. It's six. Okay, yeah. so so you're exactly halfway through the game. Right. So what do they do in that level? As you're outside, kind of for the first time, mm. you get to see Dracula's tower in the distance. Yeah, that is it. They that they show it. you it. They, yes. Like beautiful. It's such a subtle thing. Yeah. That makes you feel like you're actually progressing through the game and you're getting right, there. Right. Because the whole time they're showing you the map of Dracula's castle. They're showing you how you make your way through it, but on a map. But now in this level, in the distance, you can see the tower you're supposed to get to. Yeah. And that has always been a really great moment for it's me. Incredible. It's incredible. It's such wonderful game design. Yeah. And th- I mean, this music, obviously, it hits me really hard. I already explained how bad I am a synthesizer. Because of this, but this is one of those tracks that tells a story as you're listening to it. There's a lot of twists and turns in the melody, but it has this consistent bass line that stays true and carries on through the entire track. I never get tired of hearing this one because it's so busy and interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, Anytime I hear this, you got to be with me here, Mark. You got to be with me. I'm with you. Anytime I hear this. I picture the damn hunchbacks chasing me around oh, that level yeah. and oh, I can't hit them. Fuck where those okay? things ever they, annoying. I whip and they jump over that and then they hit me. Um, I think those things moved with an early form of AI or something. <laughs> yeah, there was something about them that just defied your ability to adapt. Like, I agree. They are the earliest form of AI <laughs> and, and possibly to this date, the most intelligent. <laughs> no argument. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, this easily could have made my top three. The quality is there. Um, I just had to put it at seven. That's just where I, I had to put it. But great call, Mark. I'm glad you glad you had it higher than me. All right. All right. Number three, are we at? We are at number three. Now, before I get into my top three, I wanted to say that on rare occasions... A video game soundtrack can be the biggest and best thing about a game. Yeah. And as great as the games in my top three are, I think the soundtracks are the biggest and best part of these games. Okay. I think you would lose more in these games by changing the soundtrack than by changing the Hmm. gameplay. Now, Now I'm interested. Now... Obviously, number three, very tough choice. Not only because there are so many great choices, but because there were so many tracks from this game that I considered. This was initially a lower choice on my list until I really studied the track. And in the end, I couldn't deny it. Mm -hmm. I couldn't deny it. It's place at number three. Uh, it's got a really unique sound to it. There's a weird moment of pause in the melody that makes the track sound glitchy, hmm. which fits perfectly for the game it's in. My number three from Mega Man 2 is Quick Man's theme. Ha, ha, nice. <laughs> Thank you. 
This track has very nice layering going on. It starts off with uh, like a 10 second section that then becomes the background for the rest of the song. Really mm. like that. Yeah. They really like focus on it at the start and then it's just subtle for the rest of the song. It has a really good pace to it. Definitely feels like it belongs in this type of an action game. Like again, I'm hearing this, I'm playing this and I'm, I'm moving through the level. I feel an urge to move through the level. Mm-hmm. Similar to uh, to Mario Brothers, you know, in that regard. But it uh, it also just fits so well into the Mega Man world. And, like, it's just got this weird robotic and calculated sound to it, I find. Yeah. Like, it's almost, I don't know, I don't want to say it's mathematical, but it's very, I want to say it's very robotic. Mm. And I just think that really works with Mega Man. And this is a near perfect loop. You can't really tell mm. where this one ends and starts back up at the beginning. Right. This is uh, one of the better examples of, um, you know, the track that loops perfectly. So Yeah. Well, it's funny you say that about the sort of mechanistic aspect because it's quick man's level. You have to be so precise in that level. It's almost like you have to, you know, there's no room for error. So it's almost like you have to be mathematically or, you know, robotically precise with your movements in that level to, to get through that, that gauntlet that's thrown at you. So I don't know if that's a deliberate part on the composers. I would say probably. Yeah. Um, I would think so. But yeah, it's, uh, it's just a great track for sure. Yeah. All right, Mark, what you got at number three. Okay. So. I'm going to have to play three different, and there's actually eight, but I'm not going to play all eight. But um, I mentioned it at the beginning of the podcast, Dragon Warrior. So Yes. Now, uh, for anyone who's played it, they know what I'm talking about. But when you get in these caves or enemy castles, like the whole thing is it's it, there's just a, a very innocuous piece of music. It's very just kind of whatever. It's like it's it's a good piece of music. But you have to understand when you're in these levels, especially in caves, you're surrounded by darkness. Now, there's two ways you can keep the darkness at bay. You have a spell that you cast that opens up light around you, or you have a torch. And over time, though, the light goes away and it fades and fades until you're left with just the square that your character is on is the only thing you can see. Now, this music is playing, and then every time you go down, another level down a set of stairs, the music slows down slightly (laughs) and the pitch goes lower slightly. It's the same piece, but it just keeps doing that. Now also what's going on in the game. Every time you go down a level, the enemies get a little bit harder. Of course. And it just keeps going that way. And then in the final dungeon where you fight the main bad, bad boss, there's eight levels. And by the time you get down there, and it's the strangest thing. It's like this castle scenario, but it's light suddenly. Like you're way underground, but suddenly you can see everything. And so mm. it's light. But that the music amazing. is reflecting that it's that deep. Wow. So I'm going to play you the first surface level okay. track, yeah. a bit of that. And then the fourth, like midway, yeah, midway and then the and last then the one. End. Awesome. And like, it's just, it's such, anyway, I'll play the track and we'll talk I'm about it. I'm looking forward to this. So this is surface level. Thank you. 
level four levels down. Eight levels down. By the time you get all the way down there, this music has changed in character so much. Like the first time you hear it, the first level, it's almost like too quick. It's very sort of just quick and light and, you know, um, nothing too remarkable about it. But by the time you get to the end, so the only time you hear the eighth iteration of it is when you're going to fight the end boss, the dragon lord. And the cool thing about this game is you go and you talk to him and he's all in his like friendly form. And he basically says like, Hey, why, why are you fighting me? Why don't you join me? And you can, you gives you a choice. The game literally gives you a menu. Yes or no. Do you want to join him? And if you say yes, he basically calls you a fool and the screen goes red and then it's like game over. Oh no, that's brutal. It's amazing. But it's such an interesting, and this, this music, this is all like, flavoring this whole aspect of the game and like you know the the other dynamic you have to be aware of is as you're going down these levels of the dungeon you're running out of supplies you're running out of magic points you're running out of torches you're running out of things so it's always like a decision you have to make how deep do i want to go because you go down you fight tougher things you get more experience you get more treasure but you're always risking getting killed and so it's just, I, I like, this is the best example I know of in NES or even a video game where the music complements the fact that you're going through that in the game. And there's nothing more desolate in a video game than when you run out of torches or your, your light spell and you're just, you're trying to memorize the, the pattern of the dungeon because you have literally nothing around your own square to guide you. And then meanwhile, that music is getting more and more ominous the whole time. Like that's a genius manipulation of the environment and, and the sound to kind of further, you know, instill the game's quality in you. Yeah. That's, that's cool. That's like, that's some of the best music you can get in, in these games is when they're doing that, yeah. right. Is when they're, you know, combining the two, you know, combining, yeah. making them work together, making the gameplay and the music work together. Like I can I can only imagine what you were feeling at that time, like going down these levels right. and feeling the dread of the game getting harder yeah. Yeah. and the music changing, you know, like that's just such a perfect, it's such a perfect like relationship between totally. music and gameplay. Totally. And that's, that's where some of like the best, I think games lay. Is when, when the music and the gameplay are just working in tandem with each Absolutely. other to give you I, like the best experience I, you can, I, I you couldn't can have. And, you know, I'm biased because of, you know, um, just being involved in music or whatever. But I think 
any video game company should always consider the sound and the music to be as integral to the game as the graphics and the, the design and, and all the rest of it. Because music can literally, like you say, it can make or break a game. Like it can be the strongest element in a game and it can save a game from being mediocre or, or, or you know, outright poor. Uh, or you can have a great game that if it doesn't have a soundtrack to match, it just will never make it to that upper echelon of games. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I think with a, a lot of the NES games that were going through, they they did that. They realized, totally. let's let's give the full experience. Let's match these two things up. Let's not just write in a room some music that we can throw to this game. Yeah. Let's really look at what this game is and what this yeah, game needs exactly. and what this what the what the vibe of the music should be for this game. Right. And uh, that's why some of this uh, some of these games and some of the music is so great because because they did that. So now right. we're in we're in upper territory. What do you got? For we're in upper two? territory. My number two. Mark is from my favorite <laughs> NES game. I don't know if you know what, what this game be, is. <laughs> uh, this game also happens to be my favorite game soundtrack of mm. all time. Okay, I've got it on vinyl. Now having so many great tracks to choose from, Mark. I considered the one you already threw out. I decided to go with the one that was most memorable for me. Mm. And the track that was most memorable was because I would hear it in the areas between the villages where all the bad guys like <laughs> to hang out. Right. And that's where you were most likely to die. <laughs> and that's where you spent most of your time dying. Mm. My number two from Castlevania two is Bloody Tears. Nice. I find this track very interesting. It's relentlessly paced. Yeah. It just totally goes is. such high energy. Uh, it's perfectly suited for the Castlevania genre. Uh, both the baseline and the melody are very active and have several different things going on. The baseline has like a modest range, but it's a lot faster than you'd expect in a baseline. It's really, it's really pumping. It's really mm -hmm. going. Then the melody has all the range you, you could want out of, out of a melody. It's just, it's going all over the place. Uh, I can't imagine, Mark, maybe you can uh, shed some light on this. I can't imagine what the sheet music for this song would look like. <laughs> it'd be busy. It'd be very, very busy. <laughs> be, it, yeah, definitely. Um, I, I feel like there's so much going on with this track that you'd expect it not to sound good. Because there's too much. Right. But uh, I just think the creator did an amazing job of bringing everything together. 
in a really, really memorable piece. Yeah, right. It, it doesn't overwhelm you because it's clear what the melody is. It's like the busyness of it only adds to kind of give it structure. It doesn't, uh, and drive the narrative of it. it. Like the melody is clear. It's it's there and, and it stands out, but it also is very energetic. And so when you're out there in the wilds of Castlevania two fighting for your life, um, it's a great accompaniment as you, as you said. It, pushes you for forward but also it uh it gives you a level of panic yeah it, it almost i feel like the music almost overwhelms you uh, which is sort of what the mm -hmm. game does at that time as well is yeah. the first time you hear this track you sort of get overwhelmed by the enemies and you're not powerful enough to stop them and you know you kind of get killed yeah that game is pretty merciless like it's a very tough game and it's a grind like it just but not in a in a bad way but i think one of the interesting dynamics of that game and I, this piece captures it well is that um there's no respite anywhere you can go to the towns and yeah sure there's friendly people there but as soon as it's nighttime yeah it doesn't matter. You get a brief break, but no, yeah. but no one's safe no, during the night. Exactly. Time, which it happens, just, you know, on a regular basis. Seems like a very dark, gloomy setting yeah. for a game. And the music absolutely captures that. And it's interesting, you know, you're talking about comparing it to Castlevania one. Again, the, the sort of feel is similar, but there's a different energy. Yeah. Very different energy to to this track in Castlevania 1. Yeah. Yeah. That's the crazy thing about those Castlevania games. So, and even going into the later games like you know, and I'm thinking now like Symphony of the Night. Like the music in that game is quite different from its predecessors. Yet there's a certain basic level of like structural connectivity to it. And that that is incredible that subsequent composers in those later games managed to capture the feel and, and yet totally went in a different direction with it. But well, that, Castlevania two is the first example of that. Yeah. That that's one of the things that came up um, with our forced rule of not choosing more than one track from one game is that I went across, you know, several different games, but I ended up finding these iconic tracks from these iconic franchises that are very different from each other, but very unique to the franchise. And the sound of them continued on, you know, through the years and through the series. Like yeah. Super Mario Brothers has its own style. Right. And it continues to make music that sounds like Super Mario Brothers. Right. Um, Zelda has its own style yep. that yep. continues on. Castlevania has its own style that continues on. Kid Icarus tried to continue on. It tried to continue continue that. It kind of failed a bit, but like there's something really impressive about being able to create a sound for a franchise and then mm -hmm. to continue creating music within that, you know, designated sound or des designated like I don't know. This is this is what your music has to sound like because if it doesn't sound like this, like if you take it, if you take a Castlevania track and you throw it in a Super Mario Brothers game, 
people are going to be like, what the fuck is yeah, going on? Exactly. This is weird. Right. This is off. Yeah. Like it has yeah. to have an appropriate sound. And yeah, I just think it's really interesting. I'm not a musician. I, I find it, you know, fascinating that you could create all these unique sounds and tracks uh, in these different games f- for years and years and years. And they just all, you can circle it all back to the very beginning, right? you know, the very first uh, Nintendo games of the, of these franchises. So uh, I, I think it's really cool. Uh, yep. I agree. All right, Mark, you're number two. Okay. Uh, well, this is a Mega Man track from Mega Man 1. Or just Mega Man, I guess. Uh, I just, I don't know. Like, I'm, you know, it's another one of these ones that technically, sure, it's great. But it's just got a groove. It's just got a sound to it that I just fell in love with. And, like, this is one... You know, we've we talked about the looping thing. I could, somebody, I think people have done this on YouTube. They've looped this for like 15 minutes and I'd be working and listening to it and I would have to replay the 15 minute loop of it because I just <laughs> couldn't get enough. So this is the Bomb Man okay, soundtrack cool. From, cool. from Mega Man. So, like, where to start with this one? First of all, the drums are just doing the same four, like, pattern of four different things. It's like a beat, and then a beat, and then a double beat, and then a beat with a bit of a delay in the second one. And it's just going over and over again. But, like, it's what they layer over that beat, which is incredible. And I I literally sat down at the piano before I came over, and I tried to figure out you know, I could get so far with the harmonies, but there comes a point where I just couldn't quite piece together how it all harmonically shifts. And it's like, it's, it's actually pretty complex, but it sounds so natural and it sounds just so fun. Like it's just such a fun track, you know, like, and I know it's like in the setting of a game where you're fighting for your life kind of thing, but Mega Man's always been kind of cutesy in a little bit of a way, like it's not intense, like say, you know, Metal Gear that you were talking about earlier, where you're thrown in a jungle and you're, you know, it's, you know, it's kind of a cutesy game. And this music really fits with that playful kind of feel, you know, and it's just got that, that groove and those really bright harmonies that I just absolutely love. It just has such a, 
a wonderful, soothing kind of sound to it, which is something that I think is almost unique to Nintendo, like NES. Yeah. Like there's certain harmonic shifts that I think kind of uh, happen in multiple games. Like it seems to be a common kind of thing. Um, And I don't know why that is, but it just seems to be the case. And um, I don't notice it. And and even once you got to Super Nintendo, I didn't really notice it as much. Uh, But this, this track for me is the most NES classic just track with that groovy bass line that nice little drum riff those kind of harmonic shifts it is the quintessential nes track in that regard for me i think there's a technical limitation that most of these games had with the music chip and i think that's maybe why you get some similar sounding sure things out of it um, Mark, I wish uh, all the listeners could have watched you dance to that track <laughs> as I watched you dance. <laughs> that was great. Were, I, I'm kind of happy really... they couldn't see it, but yeah, <laughs> you were sure. really into that. That was awesome. Uh, it, I mean, it's a great choice. I've got Mega Man, a Mega Man Two track at number three. Right. Um, I I never really got Mega Man One into my list because. Mega Man 1 was a very frustrating game to me. Right. Um, you called it cutesy, which the graphics are. The gameplay is nothing. <laughs> There's nothing cutesy sure, about sure. it. It's yeah. punishing it's and very painful. Difficult. But um, I, I kind of went with the Mega Man 2 music. That's what um, I was a bit more attracted to. I, I had four Mega Man 2 tracks to choose from. Uh, so that's kind of like where my allegiance lied for this list, but, but I love it. It's a great choice. It's a super fun track. And the fact that you couldn't figure out the melody, (laughs) I think is the harmonic shifts. I just, no, I I couldn't. I don't know what what a harmonic shift is, but the the fact that you couldn't figure it out, Mark is amazing. (laughs) Just changing keys, you know, like I just couldn't figure out what it it all goes to every time, but right. Anyway. All right. Well, before we get to our number one, uh, let's get to some honorable mentions. Mark, I had like all of these, all of these tracks, these five tracks that are honorable mention for me, they all could have been at number one, which is the fascinating thing. Not only could they have been in my top 10, they all could have been number one. That's crazy. That's how like tight my list was and how hard it was to decide on things. But, um, my honorable mentions, I've got Bubble Man Stage from Mega Man 2. Yeah, great track. It was either going to be that or, you know, the one that I had at Quick number Man. three, Quick Man. Uh, went with Quick Man. Then I've got Akari Warriors. The game had only one track. <laughs> it was, so they you better damn well make it good if right. that's all you've got. Right. And it was good. It was yeah. great. Uh, I've also got Solomon's Key Room 1 theme. Hmm. Another game that only has like three tracks, something like that. It's got 200 levels and like a, only a right. couple tracks, but a wild, wild track that goes to the most places out of any NES track I've ever heard while still being great. It's it's such a fascinating track. Uh, I've also got Super Mario 2, the overworld track. Yeah, I really wanted to get that in my top 10. Couldn't squeeze it in. And I've got uh, a cutscene track from Ninja Gaiden. It's called Cutscene 7. 
this track escalates in an incredible fashion. Mm. It's mm. the cutscene is meant to like make you uncomfortable and give you anxiety. Mm-hmm. And this music is just perfect for doing that. So mm-hmm. I would uh, just recommend anybody, if you want to hear those tracks, check them out. They're all on YouTube. Uh, yeah, go have, have some fun. Good choices. I, I approve. Thank you. Uh, my honorable mentions, um, another one from Mega Man one Iceman level. Um, just another fun kind of very eight bit sort of track, uh, from Zelda. My only choice, uh, was the dungeon music from the original Zelda, which is, you know, well, Hey, at least you got some Zelda in your uh, honorable mentions. I, you know, there, Mark. I, I, I appreciate that. I just, I, Respect I, that. I love the Zelda games like Zelda two adventure link. One of my favorite games of all time. Music was great. I just didn't, like you said, it's, it's just up against stiff competition. Yeah, Couldn't quite I understand do that. it. Another Dragon Warrior one, The Overworld, is just a beautiful mm. piece that just has that kind of wandering, sort of very open, pleasant kind of sound that when you're wandering around the overworld of Dragon Warrior, it's a great accompaniment. Uh, from my favorite game of all time, uh, Castlevania Metroid. 2. Oh, no. What? Sorry. Uh, sorry, no. Sorry. No, we're not talking Wh- about whoops. you. My Tim. bad. <laughs> uh, sorry, Infernax. <laughs> uh, so Metroid, the first Metroid game. Kraid's Lair is an incredible piece. And like you, I could have very well put it at top three in my list. Yeah. But given the rule in place, I couldn't, which is a little bit of foreshadowing. And then the final one is from a game called Faxanadu, which is just a really weird game. Uh, the boss music is one of the creepiest, weirdest tunes I've heard in a video game. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, those are my honorable mentions. Cool. Well, check them out, everybody. Now, getting to my number one. This is another of the first three games I ever played. The atmosphere of this game is second to none. The music completely contributes to the feeling of being lost, not knowing where to go, not knowing what to do, feeling hopeless, feeling frustrated, feeling like the game is in complete control and that you have a no chance. Mark, I'm pretty sure your number one is also from this game because it hasn't come up yet in your list. I've sent you this song many times as a way of you starting your day on the right foot. (laughs) My number one is from Metroid. It is in your honorable mentions. It is Craig's Nice. Good choice.
this track <laughs> is so weird. Yeah. But so pleasing at the same time. Uh, the bass line and melody sound unlike any other Nest track that I've heard. Mm. They're, they're very, very unique. There's just something a bit different going on. Uh, most of the track is pretty basic sounding. It's taking a bit of a slower pacing for most of it, which I think works really nicely with the game until near the end of the track where it just goes off. <laughs> uh, right near the end, they hold on a single note of the bass line, which just sounds so great. Yeah. Um, no other track that we've covered here today has held a bass note, a baseline <laughs> note. And they do it. They hold it. And it sounds so good. The track is a perfect loop. You you will not be able to tell where it starts, right, where it ends. Right. It has all the traditional sounds I want out of a nest track. And I think it creates just a wonderful in-game atmosphere. And I really, really do feel like this track itself feels alien. Craig's Lair, number one. Tim, I I'm this is funny. Like if you think if we scripted this, you know this is my favorite game. I this piece is incredible, and it builds like you described it perfectly. It's that feeling of being lost. Like that game is punishing in a lot of ways. It's first of all just difficult, but second of all, the fact that you don't even know, like it all kind of looks the same, but not. And then you get lost very easily. So you're not only trying to survive whatever is locally around you, you're trying to map it out in your head where you are and what you're supposed to be doing. And then, and that can be really annoying with the wrong music, but with the right music, it just makes it that much more intense and engaging. Yeah. And this piece captures that. And like I said, like this was on my honorable mentions only because of the rule. This would have cracked my top three. Yeah. But and your number one <laughs> also would have cracked my top three well, as well I, if we didn't have that rule. It, it has to. So I yeah. it just it worked out really well that we didn't actually we only duplicated Wicked Child from Castlevania. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Which is actually kind of cool. Yeah. But so I mean I think then it's pretty obvious that my number one is the title track from Metroid. Yeah, let's just play it first, shall we?
Okay, like, there's so much good about this. First of all, just that droning is by itself, like, so interesting. But then when you get in the higher-pitched sort of accompaniment to that, you know, the... You know, first of all, it's a very jarring harmony. Like, it's not naturally in tune with it, with with each other but because they're so far apart like one's so low up the low down sorry and one's so high up they get away with it and the, the blending of the sound works but it gives it that jagged alien edge that we've kind of talked about then the droning goes on and then you have the introduction of a kind of a melody of sorts and then that goes and then the melody in the lower part drops even lower and repeats and then a new voice comes in and kind of in the middle. And so it just keeps adding these layers and layers. And so it's building that way. And then it hits a kind of a climax. And then the rhythm changes. It's this da, 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 da kind of rhythm, which just drives towards the end, which results in that droning. And I mean, it's just like, okay. They're like just the actual tone of the sound and everything as well. And while that's playing, the title screen is telling you you're on some planet called like M whatever it is. And you're just a galactic bounty hunter going to like <laughs> do some mission. It's just so random and out there. Yeah. But it sets the tone for the whole game so that when you're in Craig's layer and you hear the track, you know, that was your number one, it all kind of just feels such like a natural extension. Like it sets the stage so wonderfully and I, I can't even believe they got so much feel out of an 8-bit game like it, it just blows my mind like that and talk about blending the repetitive like the looping like this game when the droning comes back it's almost like a welcome relief because you've gone through but then it, it builds up again I mean it's just that is genius video game writing yeah, this track takes you through it. Like by the end, when it's just like, doom. Yeah. Doom. Doom. Yeah, you're ready for that to end. Right. And yeah, like, this is a great track. This would have been obviously on my list if we had, you know, multiple from the same game. Mm -hmm. um, Mark, you've played this on the piano or keyboard, I don't know, 50 times for me. <laughs> throughout mm -hmm. <laughs> throughout our friendship whenever you're near a piano i request it <laughs> you play it for me uh i remember asking if you could teach me to play it <laughs> and you uh apparently had seen previous video of my synthesizer skills <laughs> and mark you told me no you could not teach me <laughs> and that was because it wasn't because you didn't want to it was because it's such a complicated piece that you wouldn't be able to teach someone who doesn't know how to play to play it. And um, it's just, it's, it's <laughs> like, as, you know, as simplified as a thing, you know, this song, this eight bit song might sound like, and a lot of these songs might sound like they are very, very complicated pieces of music. Hmm. And, you know, there's just so much going on with them. It's it's really it's great. I I, lo I loved it. I loved uh, covering all these tracks and, mm. um, you know I I loved that as your number one. I love that we both have Metroid as number one. Castlevania two is my favorite game mm. 
of all time. It's my favorite Nintendo soundtrack. Yeah. But I would concede that I think the Metroid soundtrack is the best. Mm. It's mm. it's not my favorite. It's my second favorite. Yeah. But if I had to choose what I think is the best, I'm going with Metroid for the weird atmosphere it yeah. gives you. Right. It's got less tracks than Castlevania 2, but you can't deny that weird feeling yeah. to these songs. Right. They feel so strange. They put you they put you in a like a place and they give you a, like a feeling. Um I mentioned that I I send you like Craig's Lair as like your <laughs> morning wake-up song. I'm like, "Check this out. This will get your day started." I feel like the Metroid title screen is like the end to your day. Like I could listen mm, to that to yeah. relax in bed right. and kind of like, you know, calm down. It's got this soothing um, context to it. And I couldn't say that about any of the Castlevania two tracks. Those are all very much like kind of in your face. Yeah. They're Let's very go. Intense. They're intense. Um, yeah. Probably every one except for the end track, which is a very like uh, right, you know, calming right. piece of yeah. music. But that's what I love about Metroid is it's it's this atmosphere that it creates. So it's the best. It's the best at creating an atmosphere in a game or supporting an atmosphere in a game. And and the graphics do the same. The gameplay does the same. To me, that is just a game that it, like you said, it, it goes into an alien world and it takes you there, and somehow does it with such limited tools. Like hats off to the creators of that game because. Um, they just absolutely crushed it. Yeah. Agreed. Well, uh, just before we wrap this up, Mark, uh, I know you were, uh, pumping your Final Fantasy composer. I do just want to say, <laughs> I would like you to check out two other composers okay. that I think might be able to put up a battle. Um, because these two composers comprised five games on my list. Oh, so we have Koji Kondo. Oh, he made the music for Super Mario Brothers and The Legend of Zelda and Mm. many, 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 many others. Right. And then we have Hirokazu Tanaka or Hip Tanaka. Who did Metroid. He did Metroid. He did Kid Icarus. He did Earthbound. He did many, 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 many others. I didn't know that. So Uh, I would look into those two guys um, as possible competition. Possibly, Mark, if you would allow it possibly a three-way tie i don't know okay okay depends how you're feeling well, right now we just both put one of hip tanaka's games as number at number one, one so can't argue with that it's hard to argue that um, no i didn't realize that that they did all those other tracks as well that's those, those two guys are legends so absolutely um, check oh, out that, anything they okay do. no i i'm okay i didn't think you'd be able to convince me but i think <laughs> you may have actually done so so all right Well, everyone, thank you for listening. If you're looking for a way to support Talking Back, there's a few ways you can do that. You can start by telling your friends about us. Hey, share one of our episodes with a friend. It's very easy to do. Send them a text. Share an episode that you like. You can also leave a review and rating on your favorite podcast app. You can send us a one-time donation of any amount at buymeacoffee.com slash talkingback. Or you can sign up to be a patron and gain access to exclusive episodes over at patreon.com slash talkingbackpodcast. And now that this episode is over, don't worry. 
head on over to bfopnetwork.com and check out one of the other amazing nostalgia-based podcasts in our network. We promise you'll find something you like. Mark, thank you so much for joining. Thank you for having me, Tim. Pleasure as always. Thanks everybody for listening and we'll catch you next time. I'm John, and I'm the host of Action Action. Every week, I'm joined by James. hey And Dustin. Hello. And each week, we review, debate, and rank a different action movie. We're creating the ultimate list of action movies. From awful to awesome. So if you want to hear three more white guys with beards talk about action movies. And argue about where they belong on our list. And decide you hate us because we made fun of your favorite movie. Join us every Tuesday, and you can find us on your favorite podcatcher. And Steven Seagal is a joke.